Hey everyone, welcome to the Naz Church Weekly Message Podcast. Here, you will listen to the preaching pastors from the Naz in Grove City, Ohio. We pray that you are inspired by their teachings. Well, if you have your Bibles with you, open them with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew is about three-fourths of the way back in your Bible. It's the, one of the very first. It's the very first book of, if your Bible's divided Old and New Testament, it's the very first book there. Put your finger in Matthew 6 and then keep, keep going towards the back of the book till you get to a book called Colossians. And we're going to be in Colossians chapter 1. We're starting a new series today. And uh, the series is called Like Jesus. And so we're going to be handling over the next eight weeks some questions that deal with Jesus, who he is, who he was, what he did. So for instance, um, if Jesus was God, why did he have to pray? Was that like talking to himself? I mean, why, why did he do that? If Jesus was God, why did he read the scriptures? If Jesus was God, why did he have to go to synagogue every Saturday? I mean, did he know what was going to be happening? Uh, why did Jesus hang out with the kind of people that he hung out with? How did Jesus confront different things in his day, in his time? We're going to be going through those over the next seven or eight weeks, but we're going to start today uh, by kind of giving a little background, getting us prepared, getting us ready for the different areas in our life uh, where Jesus can, can reign, where Jesus can rule, where Jesus can help us begin to understand uh, how he needs to be at the center of who we are, of what we do. So as we walk through that, uh, if you've got your Bibles there, Matthew 6, 33 is during the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' longest sermon uh, that he preaches. He begins to talk to the people uh, about things that they go running after, things that they search for, things that they worry about, like what am I going to wear, what am I going to eat, uh, what's going to happen tomorrow. And Jesus talks about each of those things individually. Then he gets down to the end and he says, but this, seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Some of you, if you grew up in church with an older version of the Bible, it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you as well. About seven years ago, six years ago now, I went on sabbatical. I had seven weeks away and I was really expecting this huge epiphany from God. And, and I wanted to learn something totally new, something I could bring back and share to the congregation. And as I started uh, my sabbatical, this verse kind of popped in my head. Seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness. I was like, yeah, 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 I know that one. I Bible quizzed on it, got it, known that one since I was a kid. Um, kept going a little bit further into sabbatical, and when I'd really stripe, try pressing, I'd study other verses, was reading all kinds of scripture, and it just kept coming back to this passage. Um, one of the very last weeks of my sabbatical, I had gone to Wisconsin for something, was driving back down. I stopped in Milwaukee uh, to see an old friend, and while I was there, I just randomly picked this church to go see. It was a large church. I wanted to see how they do things. Uh, Stuart Briscoe had been the pastor there. He had written a lot of books when I was growing up. I didn't realize how old he was. Uh, I got there. He had retired. They were like three pastors after him. He was 80 years old. And, uh, but, but guess who was preaching that morning? Stuart Briscoe. And I'm like, this is going to be awesome. I'll get to hear from him. So he got up. He started talking about some different things. And then... He said, well, the scripture I'm going to preach to you today 
I'm not going to tell you the passage. I'll just start talking to you about it. So he starts talking and he gets into seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And I was like, okay, God, of all the churches I could have picked of anywhere, I land here. I get the point. I hear what you're trying to say to me. I'm going to talk to us a little bit about that today. How do we put God first in our lives? How do we, what does it mean to seek first the kingdom of God? What does it mean to seek his righteousness? Jesus tells us, um, ask, it will be given to you. Seek, you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Uh, For whoever asks, receives. Whoever seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. If we go back, many of us like Jeremiah 29, 11, where it says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans for future and a hope. But right after that verse, it says, you will search for me and you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. What does it mean to seek first God's kingdom? What does it mean to seek first his righteousness? And so let me describe for you real quickly that word righteousness. Uh, Sometimes we have weird understandings of what that is. Basically means right relatedness. Uh, Seek the way God seeks things to be related. How do I have relationship with God? How do I have relationship with others? How do I have relationship with myself? How do I have relationship with the creation that is made? In the fall, all of those things kind of fell apart. Yet God continually tries to help us understand his righteousness. It's not like ours. So how do we seek him? How do we seek his kingdom? How do we seek his righteousness? That's what we're going to be talking about today. But quite often when we hear that passage, seek him first, we think of a list right? Things in order. So that means uh, the infamous lists that we have that we put around, right? One of them is um, God, family, work. You got to put God first, family comes second, work comes last, everything else, right? God, family, work. Or um, in a lot of areas of the country, I grew up in SEC country, uh, but I also know up here, you know, we're about a month away from the football season. And so I found a sign that looks kind of like this, faith, family, football, right? What's ironic about this is faith first, family second, but guess which is the biggest? Football, right? Fall's coming, we're like three or four weeks away. So while family should be second, faith should be first, football quite often in our life ends up first. Or this one, when I was a kid, I remember our teachers telling us, if we wanted to have joy, the way that you have joy in your life is you put Jesus first, others second, and yourself last. That's what gives you joy. That's not true. Most of the times it's true. But if you're on an airplane, the airplane's going down, then the oxygen masks fall. It's prayer first, so maybe it is Jesus first. But then they say, take care of yourself first. Then you can take care of those around you, right? Then you can live, right? So that doesn't always necessarily apply. But we're very, in America, we're very list-oriented. I want my priorities. I want to put my things in order. And so we'll rearrange our priorities. Once a year, maybe we'll sit back down and You know, those of you that are younger right now, retirement's not on your mind, but as you get older, retirement kind of moves back up the list a little further. And so we begin to look at our lives by these lists and how am I prioritizing things? And some of us, we don't make out a list, but in our heads, we kind of know what's first, what's most important, what's second, where we're going to put those things. And I I want you to take your list, I want you to wad it up, and I I want you to throw it away for a second. Because what we're going to do is we're going to look at if we're, if we're going to be like Jesus, 
How did Jesus look at this? What did Jesus mean when he said, seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, everything else kind of falls into place? Not necessarily on a priority scale, but maybe a little bit different. So now that you have your Bibles to Colossians 1, I'm going to read you a, it's a poem slash song that Paul wrote right in the middle. He's writing a letter and then he just breaks out into this poem. And it doesn't sound like a poem necessarily in English, but it was in Greek. It says this, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else. And he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He's the beginning and the supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by the means of Christ's blood on the cross. What Paul is trying to say to us is he's first, he's the last, he's in the middle. He is everything. Everything flows from him, through him, to him. God reconciled everything to himself through Christ. So what if instead of putting Christ at the top of a list, we put him somewhere else in our life and began to order our lives around that? And that's what first place meant. That's what I want to talk to you about a little bit this morning. So as we look at who is Christ? What does he do? I'm going to take this, this wagon wheel. And for all the older folks that thought I was going to sing Happy Trails, that's not what I'm doing. And for all the younger folks who sing, thought I was going to sing, you know, Rock Me Mama Like a Wagon Wheel, I'm not doing that either. Um, so let's put Christ in the middle of our wheel. The wheel is our life, okay? And right here at the center, if we're trying to figure out what our life revolves around and who is the center and where God is in the middle of our life. If we put Christ here, I want to begin talking to us about different pieces of our life where Christ can take first place. For instance, number one place I want to think about is our home. So how does Christ take first place in our homes? So if I'm a mom or a dad or a grandpa or a grandma or a step-parent or a child, how Christ takes first place in my life in the home may look a little bit different. Now, what I mean by that is not the order that you're in. Um, doesn't mean who's the favorite, okay? Uh, my kids like to argue all the time about who the favorite is. Some of you have heard me say this before. Um, like, who's in first place this last few weeks? Some of them are home from college. Some of them have been away. It's, we've been having lots of fun. And uh, one of my favorite stories to tell about them is we're on a trip. And... Uh, we're driving, we had stopped, I didn't want to stop again. And Brooke asked, hey dad, can we get some Starbucks? And I was like, no, we're going. We should have asked that a while ago. Oh, please daddy, not even for your favorite child. <laughs> to which Connor responded, yeah, dad, you won't even do it for me. <laughs> so now in the back seat, Connor and Brooke are going at it. Liam's in the front seat playing some sort of video game or something. I thought he didn't hear them. So I said, Liam, you hear what's going on back there? He goes, yeah, they're arguing over who's your favorite. And I said, you're not going to get in on that? He goes, nah, let them have at it. We both know it's me. Uh, you know, so we move on. 
Now, some of us do that. Okay, what's first? We feel like whatever is first, that's most important. I would say what is central is most important. Is Christ the center of your home? As a child, how are you making Christ the center of your life at home? As a mom and dad, how are you making Christ the central part of your home? As a single parent, how are you making Christ the center of your home? As a step parent, do you understand what I'm saying? How does Christ begin to order your relationships? If you want to look at some very interesting things on that, go to Ephesians chapter five, where Christ talks to us about submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, Paul says. In Philippians chapter two, we look at Jesus, who he was God, but he emptied himself and made himself a servant so that you and I could be redeemed. How do we listen to the voice of God? How do we submit ourselves to what God wants to do in and through us in every area of my life, at home even? In just a few weeks, uh, we'll jump uh, to something else, but before we get there, how about work? How do you make Christ first at work? Some of you are going, you've not been to my work. Christ is not there. It does not take place at work. Uh, there is no having Christ central at work. You can't. As an employer, as a boss, as a manager, as a leader at the place you work, or if you feel like you're at the bottom of the totem pole, if you're bottom of the ladder, how do you allow your role to be shaped by who Christ was? Again, Ephesians 5 talks about that. Now, it's weird because he talks about slaves and masters and things like that. But the point is, as you're working, are you working as though you're working for God and not for someone else? How does Christ shape work? When you go to work, what if Christ could have place at work? I would say to you, if you're going to work, then Christ has a place at your work. Whether it's a factory, whether it's an office, whether it's landscaping, whether you're out. How? Is Christ shaping how you treat those that you work with? How is Christ helping you as a, as a leader to shape the culture of the place that you're at? How are you working with the clients that you work with? Is Christ shaping every aspect of your life at work? Now, school's coming up. That's a fun one. How does Christ have centrality at school? Um, how is he in charge at school if you're a student? How does that affect how you do your work? Um, one of the worst things I feel like, I mean, it was a good thing my dad did for me, but one of the worst things my dad did for me was he was, was rarely as concerned about my grade as much as he was that I did my best. So the question was always, God's given you talents. God's given you abilities. How are you using those abilities for God? I don't want, that, was, that was way too much weight for homework. Right? I don't want that kind of weight. Every time I'm doing work, I'm like, am I doing this work for God? Or am I, I just don't want to get it done. Right? But to be reminded that God can play in everything that's going on. As a teacher, how are you reflecting that in the lives with your students? Um, I know many teachers here at our, at our church. Some of them have chosen to work at a Christian school. Some of them have chosen to work here at Grove City Christian School because they want the ability to help raise children 
in the nurture and admonition of the faith to help them grow, be godly Christian leaders. And they're able to do all that here at Grove City Christian School. There's other teachers at our school that have said, I want to be salt and light in the public school. I want to be able to make a difference because if there's nobody in the public schools helping kids understand the love of God and who he is, and hopefully they can see it through me, I want to work in the public schools. I'm like a, a missionary. This is where God has called me. I've got other parents who say, we're homeschooling because our children are crazy and we don't want to send them to school. I'm just kidding. They're going, I want my kids to know. I want to be the one that pours into them, that teaches them, that helps them grow. Now, which of those is the right thing? God's speaking to you. How are you allowing Christ to be central in your life at school? However you've chosen to do that. I think Christ can be at the center of each one of those people's lives as they're serving and letting him lead as an administrator. You know, sometimes we'll be in a school system where we're going, they, they don't care. There's too much politics. There's too many other things going on. How can you as an administrator allow Christ to be central in what is happening, what's going on in your lives? The next fun one, uh, relationships. Now I'm going to be meddling. How does Christ central in your relationships? Some of you decide, well, Jesus is God at church, but out here in my relationships, in my friendships, in my leisure time, in my own time, that's kind of, yeah, later on, I'll let him have control of this. But right now, I'm going to do things kind of the way I want to, how I want to, when I want to, forget what he has said with my boyfriend, with my girlfriend, my fiance, with just my buddies I hang out with on ladies night, whatever the case is. How am I reflecting Christ in the relationships in which I'm involved? Is Christ central in those relationships? Do I lay down my life for my friends? Jesus says, greater love has no one than this than they lay down their life for their friends. Do you live that way with your friends or do you just expect them to lay down their lives for you? I would ask you in your relationships and in the relationships of the people that you're in relationship with, is Christ central or are you central? Does everybody have to do everything where everything revolves around you? Do any of y'all have a friend like that? Can I get a witness? Some of y'all are hesitant. Uh, how is Christ having centrality in all of your relationships, whether it's at work or at school or off in your leisure time? Husbands and wives, not just at home, but how are you all loving one another? Are you doing as it's been ordered by God? Young people, as you're dating, are you letting Christ be central in your dating life? I know I'm stepping on toes. I know this is awkward. But are you thinking of their interests also, not just your own? And if I wasn't meddling enough, what about your finances? Is Christ central in your finances? <laughs> Whoa, Pastor Dale, get a little touchy there. What does he have to do with tithing, with saving, with spending, with generosity, with, with what I do with my money? That's my money. I would say, I often say to people, how did you get the money? Well, I worked hard for it. How did you work hard for it? Well, I got a job. I don't remember you saying that God helped you get that job, right? Well, yeah. Okay, how did you get the skills that you have? Well, God gave them to me. Okay, so basically it all comes from God. 
So how do we begin to live our life ordered the way he orders it? So I'm going to talk to you about money for a second, but let me move over to something that's not money. So with tithing, I'll talk about tithing. Um, Somebody asked me last week in ownership class, what do we believe about tithing? I expressed what we believe about tithing. And I had a friend who told me tithing for him is a trust issue. And I'm going, a trust issue? I think it's a belief issue. If Jesus said it, do it, kind of a thing. He said, no, no, it's a trust issue. Tithing says this. Tithing is saying, God, I trust that you can do more with 90% than I can do with 100%. I thought, oh, that makes sense. Well, it makes sense to me because the first time my parents ever paid me, they paid me in change. So they could set it aside and go, here's your tithe, here's your savings, here's your giving, here's what you're going to do. So I knew what my money was going toward. So that made sense to me. Okay, I get it, I follow it. Until, it was, it was only like a week or two later. Um, it was my day off. I had really, I've been trying to plan for like a Sabbath, like scripture tells us about. How am I going to take a Sabbath to rest, to spend time with God, to do those kind of things? And something had come up that I felt like was really important that, that I really needed to do, right? Because I'm really important and I need to do it. And while I was thinking about that thing, it was like God said to me, Dale, Sabbath is a trust issue. What do you mean Sabbath? My, my time off is a trust issue? God said, yes. Do you trust that I can do more with six days than you can do with seven? Ouch. God, I'm okay putting you first place in my finances, but don't touch my calendar. Some of you are giggling. Some of you are prodding the person beside you. How do you put God first in everything? How is Christ central, not only in your finances, but in your calendar? How is Christ central in your politics? Ooh. Who's wanting to leave right now? It's getting squirmy. I can feel it. How do I put Christ first in that? You know, we're, we're a democracy. We're a republic, actually, but we're able to vote. We're able to do things. We've got, a, we've got voting going this Tuesday on issue one. I've had lots of people come and ask me, how should we vote on issue one? I've heard this, I've heard this, I've read that, I've read this. Uh, the issue is on changing uh, the amount of votes it takes, uh, the percentage of votes that it takes to change the Constitution here in Ohio. But as you listen to people, they say, that's not the real issue. This is the beginning of an issue for an issue further down the road here. Because this group's trying to do this, and this group's trying to do this. So we need to get prepared for this issue. And as I've read up on all the things and looked at how, how fast or slow evangelicalism or Christianity or any of these things are growing, or go, there's all kinds of answers to that question. Um, I've watched people on both sides of the coin try to make enemies out of the other to try and get people scared to vote the ways they feel they need to vote. I've read through those things. I will tell you this. We sent out an email this week from our district superintendent. He's a good friend of mine. I thought he wrote it very well that said, hey, um, go to this link and here's where you can see what we believe about the sanctity of human life. We believe that life is sacred from, from conception to death. We believe that life is sacred. So how do we promote the sanctity of human life? Realizing that we live in a complicated world and there's all sorts of situations and issues. But we believe that God is the master of life, that God is the one who creates. He is the one that should be in charge of that, not us. How do we look at human sexuality? 
You can click those links in that email and go and look and read what we believe about human sexuality, how God has created us, male and female, and how we live out those relationships with one another, how God orders those things. Does that have anything to do with voting on the Constitution? It may. It may in November when we vote on those things. It may now. It's complicated. So what I'm going to urge you to do and encourage you to do is the same thing that our district superintendent encouraged us to do. Pray. Seek the Lord. Read as much as you can. Understand what the topics are. I'm not going to tell you how to vote. But I'm going to say, seek the Lord in those things before you go vote. Does God have first place in your politics? Have you sought him as you go to the voting booth? Have you sought him as you watch all the things that are going on? Does God have first place in every area of your life? So what areas of your life do you feel like God also needs to have? Maybe it's your leisure time, your free time, what you do on Friday night. Does God have first place in vacation? Does whatever happens in Vegas really stay in Vegas? Or does Jesus go with you to Vegas? What else in your life? I'm not going to mention things because I'm, if, I, if I don't mention your thing, you'll go, well, he didn't mention mine. I'm good to go. <laughs> he didn't talk. If Pastor Dale talks about my thing, then I'll pray about it. I put extra blanks up here because what is the thing that God is talking to you about? Listen to me. Some of you may have gotten derailed on some of these things I've talked about earlier. Some of you may have got ticked off when I started talking about finances. Some of you may have gotten ticked off when I was talking about politics or when I meddled in your relationships. What I'm trying to say to you is when Jesus says, hey, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he's saying there is no nothing. There is no area of your life that's out of the scope of what God wants to do. Does God have supremacy in all things? Is he first place in everything? Is he the one that is ordering your life? See, he is the one who created you. He is the one who sustains you. He's the one who is reconciling the whole world to himself through Christ. So if he's doing all of that through Christ, then why shouldn't Christ be at the very center of everything? What happens is if Christ... You know, Christ isn't necessarily center in relationships, and I move over here. Have you ever, have you ever tried to move a, the center of a wheel over to this side and watch what happens as the wheel goes wonky all over the place? Or have you ever tried um, to take one of the spokes of a wheel and shorten it where it's not really touching or it doesn't really go all the way back to Christ, and this part of the wheel, if there's weight on it, begins to bend. And as it begins to bend, it begins to affect the other parts of the wheel. It begins to mess those parts of the wheel up. Having Christ at the center of your life is not going to guarantee that the road that we travel will be smooth. But having Christ at the center does mean that our life can be more solid as we travel through the roads of life. If Christ is here at the center, I'm not going to get all wonky. <laughs> I may be hitting some rough patches in the road. So some of you are going along in life, and if you've got Christ at the center and things start going poorly, you're going to blame Christ. This road's rough. Right? Christ didn't say the road was rough. He just said, keep me at the center of your life. There's going to be tough things that come your way. In fact, he promised there would be tough things that come your way. But if we let him move out of the center or 
If we take him out and put ourselves here, we're not gonna be strong enough to handle the things that come. And life will begin to fall apart. Life will begin to have struggles, even worse than what we could imagine. But if he is at the center, then as we go through life, as we hit those rough patches, the wheel stays together, life stays together. God's kingdom come, his will is done. And guess what? All the rest of this stuff just kind of comes along. Keep him at the center of your life. I'm gonna ask you if you would stand. In a minute, we're gonna sing. Um, the song that we're gonna sing is talking about again, who he is, who Jesus is, what he wants for us. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. What is that thing that God has begun to show you is not centralized for him? You've not put him at the center. You know what it is. I may have mentioned it, I might not have mentioned it. There may be two or three three things in your life that you have kind of set out to the side and you've said, God, you can, you can have first place in these areas, but this over here, I'm, I'm not quite ready to give that to you yet. I'm gonna ask you right now, just where you're sitting, to begin to speak Jesus over those things. <laughs> Say, Jesus, take control of that in my life. Bring it back into order. There may be someone who's here today that says, I've never even thought about Christ being at the center of my life got a whole lot to think about here. I've always thought I was at the center and it was just his job to help me. We're going to take a moment here in a little while. We're going to pray. As we sing, I speak Jesus. These altars will be open. If you want to come and pray, you can come and pray. I don't know what you may need to pray for. It may be a specific instance that's going on in your life. It may be that there is something that's happening that you know you're way out of balance with what God needs to be doing. It may be that you've never said, Christ, be at the center of my life. But as we pray, I want you to take those things to Christ. Jesus, right now I ask, you would come wherever my friends are right now, wherever their life is right now. Lord, some people I, I know from conversations, life feels out of balance. It's rattly, it's shaky, it's... Sometimes we're blaming the road, but it has nothing to do with the road. It just has to do with the fact that our life's out of balance. Jesus, be the center of everything. Father, I want to speak Jesus over all our lives right now. Over every enemy, everything that would come against us. Lord, sometimes that enemy is ourselves. As we put other things at the center of our life. Father, help us to let you have first place in everything, that you would have supremacy in every area of our life. Father, for the person who has not let you have that yet, pray that right now as they're praying, wherever, wherever they are under the sound of my voice, whether they are in this building, whether they're at home watching, whether they're driving their car, Lord, wherever they are, that they would begin to say right now, Lord, have first place in my life. Father, I pray that you would speak Jesus over them. That they would begin to allow your son who became like us 
and lived among us and gave us the example, Lord, that you would live in and through them the same way you lived through Jesus. Lord, help us to become like Jesus. Lord, we want to speak this name over us today. For it is in his name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast. Stay connected with us at thenaz.church.